0: This morning I would like for you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Our text has already been read by Brother Ryan, but the verses that I'll focus on this morning are Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 through verses 39. Jesus said in... John chapter 14 to His disciples and to us. If I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the promise of Christ To prepare for us a place to receive us unto Himself that we might be together. The very last words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation says, and John says, concerning Christ, that Christ has testified that He is coming soon. You see, there's the very valid words of Christ, the very last words spoken by the inspiration of God that Christ gives us this promise that He is coming soon. The Scriptures gives us in Hebrews chapter three and verse six relating Moses' ministry over his house and Christ's ministry over his house. It says there in that text that we who are part of the house of God, if we do something, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. You see? Is that you this morning? God has given us this promise. Christ has said that I'm coming. I'm going to receive you unto myself. We're going to be together throughout eternity. And the writer of the Hebrews says, implores us to have confidence in the very Word of God and that we are rejoicing in this great hope unto the very end. So we come to Christ, and what do we do during this very short time before Christ returns or before we meet Him in death? Are we faithful? Are we being confident? Are we rejoicing in that great hope that we're going to be with the Lord? I asked some of you a few weeks ago what it means for you to have faith in the Lord. Some of you said that I have a great peace as I fully trust in the Lord daily. Someone said that God is the source of all that exists and is in control of all that exists. I can trust Him, knowing His great love for me, and not be anxious, nor be fearful. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Someone said, I know my faith in the Lord is, I know that God is up to something, and that that something is going to be good upon my behalf. And we know that in all things God works together for the good to those who love Him, to those who are the called according to His purpose. If we define what faith is in the context of this epistle to the Hebrews, it would be something like this that we as believers are to wait patiently upon the Lord, live faithfully, faithfully to Him no matter what the circumstances, trusting in God as I look forward to the Lord's return. But between that point of belief and that point when Christ comes again, we are faced with many things that combat our faith, are we not? I look at this flock and I know many needs that many of us have right here, right now, today. Well, for one thing, there's, there's doctrinal errors. <laughs> if there ever was a time where the church is tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, it, it is now. And you know, such was the case with those to whom uh, this letter is addressed to. He is writing to teach these, these Hebrew Christians that Christ is far better than Moses. That, far, that He's far better than the angels that accompanied the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. That He's better than the Old Testament priesthood. That the new covenant in Christ is far superior to the old covenant. And that we have now, in Christ, we've entered into a great rest in Christ. We have no reason to turn back. Because you see, there were those uh, that... This writer is addressing that we're tempted to do that very thing, to turn back, because they were under persecution. Well, yes, under Rome, but they were also under persecution by the fellow Hebrews. And the Hebrew Christians were being rejected and persecuted by their fellow Jews for turning away from the Old Covenant. They said, well, it's okay for you to believe in Christ, but you've got to continue in the things of the law. And the writer of the Hebrews says, not so. The New Covenant is far better. So they were being tempted to turn back being persecuted by fellow Jews. But yet some were faithful. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods not knowing or excuse me knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven they gave up much to remain faithful to Christ some were being persecuted directly and others were were coming alongside to comfort those that were being persecuted they lost material goods and they gave God the glory for it, and they were remaining faithful. And the writer for the Hebrews also mentions that Moses did that very same thing. Look in chapter 11, in verse 25, referring to Moses, who chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, rather to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming, where was Moses' faith? Esteeming the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he looked to his reward. And that was to be found faithful by Christ himself. He was willing to suffer. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy all the passing pleasures that Egypt had to offer. So some were remaining faithful, but yet other, other, the other uh, Christians there were confused. They didn't know what to do. They were doubting and they needed knowledge and they needed encouragement in the things of God that they might be built up in the faith, doctrinally and in their lifestyle, and be admonished to keep on trusting in Christ. Don't give way. But some, on the other hand, were just part of the fellowship, but yet they were unbelievers. indeed, they were not all those that were of Israel were, of, were truly Israelites. They, weren't, they didn't have the real faith that Abraham had, part of the church, part of the community faith, but yet not without saving faith. These are the ones that were drawn to the Dispensation of the Old Covenant rather than looking forward to what Christ offers in the New Covenant. And they were turning back. Look in our text in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You see, they they were drawing back; they were turning away. And the word here for drawing back just, just, just doesn't mean that. Well, I'm just going to lay back in the background and be quiet. No, it was more of an obstinate drawing back. It was a, a proud, a haughtiness that I'm not going to have anything to do with these people. They're wrong, and I'm turning away. I think of many people in the Scriptures that that happened to. think of Demas. Demas forsook the Lord having loved this present world. That's what happened here. Many were drawing back. They were proud. And we we read about these type of people. Uh, The writer for the Hebrews gives an illustration about those that were in the wilderness wanderings. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. This is a warning. It's an awesome thing to be here right now under the Word of God that we have to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, am I like these people that are only here in body, but I'm not here in the Spirit of the Lord and I'm not attuned to the things of God? You see? Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, or encourage one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. see. Are we doing that? Are we we confident in the Lord right now? You say, well, I believed in Christ. Well, did you? That's good. But are you believing right now? Are you confident right now in the things of God? Are you trusting in the Lord right now? Confident, joyfully, looking forward to His return. This is what the writer of the Hebrews says, we're not to draw back. We are to... Keep on keeping on. Look there in in our text there, again, in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 38, the just shall live by faith. But then he says there again in verse 35, who are they? Verse 35, therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. Now the word cast away there could possibly be a military term. Because any particular soldier that served particularly in the Greek army was told you never cast away your shield. You say, for example, the battle was heated. And it looked like the, the enemy was about to win. Well, some people would drop their shield and they would run. They would cast off their shield. And the penalty for that, by the way, if you were a Greek soldier, is that if you did that, if you ran away in a cowardly fashion, you were to be put to death because of your cowardice. Do not cast away your shield. Paul in writing to the Christians in Ephesus says, take up the shield of faith by which you are able to thwart the fiery darts of the evil one. Don't cast away your faith, which is your confidence, he says there. And the word confidence here is the same word, Same original word in the text as we find in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Christ. That's the same word there is the word boldness. The same word he uses for the word confidence. Don't cast away your boldness in the Lord. You know, when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it is as if we have entered into the most holy place. He tells us in another place in Hebrews that we are to come before the throne of grace boldly that we might find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't have to shy away from that. As children of God, we can be bold in our confidence as we approach the Lord. Because we are His sons, we are His daughters in Christ. And we are confident that our Father is going to hear us and give us anything that we ask according to His will. Don't cast away that boldness, that confidence. And don't forget that as you persevere, as you continue trusting, believing, there is a great reward that awaits you because of your faithfulness to Christ. Because of what He's done for you. Paul said in his last words to Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me on that day, and not unto me only, but to all those who love His appearing. So there's our confidence. There's our hope. We don't throw that away. You know, another theme of of this epistle to the Hebrews is that we keep on looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We never stop looking. We never stop serving, knowing that we shall reap if we faint not. But life is hard, isn't it? And I know that many here in this room are facing difficult trials. Tough decisions that have to be made. Decisions that are before you and asking you, is this decision going to allow me to stay faithful to Christ? Is my, are my eyes still upon Jesus? Is my confidence still in Him? Am I trusting in Him? As I carry out this decision. Some of us here are facing health issues. Health issues in our family members that we're we're thinking about this morning. And that tries our faith. We don't forget about the goodness of God and the glorious promises of God in the midst of these issues. Whatever people are struggling with. Employment issues, family issues, financial issues. A baby on the way. A tornado blows your house apart. God hasn't changed. His Word remains sure. As Job says, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Paul writing during his final imprisonment again as he awaits martyrdom. He writes about the fact that throughout all these years as being appointed an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles, he had suffered so terribly much. You say you want to be like the Apostle Paul? Read everything that happened to him. Can you say that then? All the tremendous trials and tribulations. Now he's awaiting the sword. He's getting ready to have his head cut off. this is what he says, Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. It's going to be quick, folks, you know. We're all going to stand before the Lord. What are we going to do? How are we living between that time of belief and that time before we see the Lord face to face? For the rest of this, our time here, I want us to look at what are some of the true elements of our faith. In Hebrews chapter 10, first of all, it says there, a quote from the prophet Habakkuk, that the just, the just or the righteous, shall live by his faith. First of all, who are the just? Who are the righteous? Well, the writer of the Hebrews tells us. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11 as he relates the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Hebrews chapter 10 and 11, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Can you imagine the Just to be frank, the bloody daily mess that priests had to endure, offering up the sacrifices that pointed to Christ, which never took away sin, only covered sins, waiting for the Messiah to come. Verse 12, But this man, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had offered how many sacrifices? Endless sacrifices? One sacrifice. We studied in the men's Bible study uh, over a week ago that when Christ died upon the cross, what did He say? It is finished. It is complete. The plan of redemption has been accomplished. The veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom so that we now, as we've already read, can enter the most holy place with confidence and boldness knowing that He has offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And He sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies shall be made his footstool verse 14 reiterated again for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified those who are being set apart and this is where our hope is this morning on the way to church Robin says, I'm going to pray for you, sweetheart. I said, pray for me because I'm a I'm a worthless heathen. <laughs> That's what I said to her. And she said, I know you are, but <laughs> but, but I'm going to pray for you. You see, <laughs> that that happened. I didn't make that. You know, this morning... I don't care how faithful I've served the Lord. Where is my hope? Where is your hope? It's only, 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 only in the fact that Christ has offered up that perfect substitutionary atonement for us and His righteousness, His goodness, His holiness upon belief is applied to us because of that one sacrifice. Amen. That's our only hope in Christ because of what He's done. That's who He's talking about here. Those that have experienced a real relationship of Christ, those who possess the intrinsic, perfect righteousness of Christ, those, those are the ones that are true believers, and they are the ones that are called upon to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. What does that mean? Well, it means we simply believe what He said. Look, look at our text again in Hebrews chapter 37. For yet a little while, a short amount of time, I was told that I had to have a short sermon, so I've got to rush. <laughs> For yet a, a little while, and He who is coming will come, and He will not tarry. Again, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. I am coming in a little while. When did He say this? 2,000 years ago. How long did it take Him? Is it going to take Him to come? Well, some would say that this text was fulfilled in less than a year. Because right at the close of the writing to the Hebrews, guess what happened? Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem and decimated the temple. It's as if God was saying, I have come to you, proving to you everything that has just been said to you in this epistle to the Hebrews. That the old covenant is now fulfilled in the New Covenant. It's been done away with. There's a far greater covenant. So God did act. Now again, listen. This is a quote. We won't take the time to turn there because our time is short. But this is a quote from Habakkuk. And Habakkuk was struggling with the sins of the children of Israel and he was crying out to God, what are you going to do about this? And you know what the Lord said? said, to Habakkuk. He said that the just shall live by faith. And he whoever draws back, my soul will not be pleased with him. And then the Lord said, this is what I'm going to do, Habakkuk. I'm going to raise up those wicked people, the Babylonians, to be the rod of chastisement for my people. And Habakkuk said, Lord... How can you who are holy and cannot look upon sin bring upon us these people that are more wicked than we are? But that was God's plan. To purge the children of Israel and send them into captivity that they may never again lapse into idolatry. Well, Jesus said, He who is coming will come and He will not tarry. Possibly somewhat fulfilled, in the same manner that it was fulfilled in Habakkuk by raising up a people to chasten His own people. But more so, more so than that, it's talking about the coming of Christ. That He's going to come, and He's going to come quickly. You say, well, quickly? It's been 2,000 years. It's not too quick. We have a strange perspective on time. We don't have the same perspective that God has on time. Do you remember when you were younger, the way you viewed time and the way you view time now? You know, when you're young, it seems that the days go by very quickly, but the years go by very slowly. And when you get a little bit older, it seems that the days go by slowly, but the years go by so quickly. You know? Time time is all so relative. But you know, the the Apostle Peter said that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. It's going to be so short, folks. From the time of our belief until the time of Christ's coming or the time that we meet Him in death, it's going to be just like that. It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. And we have to ask ourselves, before we stand before Him, Before him, are we going to be found faithful, obedient, trusting, confident, full of hope? Time is so relative. Time is so relative. Make no mistake, He's coming quickly. You may not completely understand how quick He is going to come, but when you meet the Lord face to face and you look back over all of your life, it's going to just appear as nothing. What is your life? It's just a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. The just shall live by His faith and that means we believe the promises of God and we act upon them. That's what it is. Uh, the, the, a very prominent, very godly Scottish pastor who lived in the early 19th century, James Haldane, he said this as he tried his best to encourage his flock. And this is what he said. He said, we are to, listen, we are to rest boldly on the blessings promised to us from God. Bold resting, a confidence on what God has said. We believe the promise and then we live according to the promise. Look at verse 36 again. For you have need of endurance. That's perseverance. Stick to itness. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Who are the ones that receive the promise? The ones that believe and do nothing? No. If you have believed and you've done nothing, you've believed amiss. But those who have truly believed continue living out the promise, waiting for the promise, persevering in the promise, relying daily upon the grace of God. Look at these verses. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. We alluded to this verse already. Let us come, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we obtain, we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in that time of need. That's what, that's what the Christian life is all about, isn't it? Daily, day in and day out, finding grace to help us in our time of need. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. I love this verse. Chapter twelve and verse twenty-eight. Therefore, since we are receiving this kingdom that we've been talking about this morning, this kingdom that the writer of the Hebrews is expressing to us, since we are receiving this kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Wow! There it is. Christ is coming. We have been promised, according to the very words of God, a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We're called upon right now to live in a world where everything can be shaken. But we keep on enduring. We keep on believing. We we keep on persevering, looking for grace upon grace to help us in our time of need, being confident and trusting in the One who has promised us To provide that for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence and the full assurance of hope until the very end. That you not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. That's what we're called to do, folks. To trust, to believe, to carry forth in the same diligence of that assurance of hope until the very end of time. We live by faith. Back to our text in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. The righteous, the just shall live by faith. If any draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. What's our purpose during this short life? To please him who has promised us this unshakable kingdom. A great kingdom has been promised. You say, well, I believed. Well, are you believing? Are you trusting? Are you obeying? Are you following? Are you seeking to please Him? Not wavering, not doubting, and certainly not falling away. We've been promised a glorious future. C.S. Lewis said, I'm going to paraphrase this. I read this. A few weeks ago, C.S. Lewis said that we as Christians are like the poor English children who lived in the slums. They've been promised a holiday at the sea, but they can't even comprehend it. And they're content to be in the slums and make mud pies. We're not to be content making mud pies. But we're looking forward to that promised holiday by that eternal seed, that eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. We keep on believing. We keep on trusting. We keep on hoping. We keep on enduring. We keep on being faithful. It's said that George Mueller who by the way was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, cared for over 10,000 orphans, established 117 schools which taught Christian education to more than 120,000 people. And this is what he said faith is. Faith is simply this having the assurance that the thing which God has said is true and that God will act according to what He has said in His Word. Do you believe that? Amen? We've been given many precious promises. Let us endure. Let us hope. Let us believe. Let us trust. Let us keep on persevering. Let us keep on encouraging one another in the promises of God that we might be found faithful before Him when He calls us unto His eternal kingdom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give us wisdom and grace.